I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. As we prepare Ave Explores every time we sit down to plan a series, you know, we think about long term what are we trying to say? What are we trying to encourage in people? What are we trying to inspire in people's hearts? How are we trying to help people be better Catholics? And we've done that with a lot of conversations. We've talked about Mary and mental health. We've dug into social justice and living our faith in the public square. We've asked questions about faith and science and how those things relate together. We've even looked at the lives of the saints and really how the stories of the saints can inspire each one of us in maybe a different and unique way. And we decided to kick off this next round of Ave Explorers, especially after our summer break. We really wanted to get down to I'll say it this way, the nitty gritty. We wanted to look at something simple yet complicated, something that all of us hopefully have within our homes and yet maybe are sometimes a little perplexed and flummoxed by something that is a little times, okay, a lot of times, oftentimes misunderstood and yet is so essential and necessary. And if you guessed the Bible or sacred scripture, then you are in the right place. And you are thinking about what we are talking about on this next season of Ave Explorers. You know, Ave Maria Press recently released a note-taking Bible. It's got wide margins. It's got catechism references. It's got some excellent articles throughout that really give some context for why reading sacred scripture is important and really helping people, hopefully, dig into the Bible a bit more. And to accompany that note-taking Bible, to really help people who have bought the Bible, who might be thinking about buying the Bible, who just love sacred scripture in general or want to learn more about sacred scripture, regardless of whether or not they have a copy of this Bible or not, we wanted to take a look at a few things. The structure of sacred scripture. How is it set up? How is it built? What do we find inside? How can we read sacred scripture? How can we read scripture with a mind of prayer? How can we dig into sacred scripture with hope in our hearts? What are some confusing things in sacred scripture? How can I pray with the Bible? What should the Bible mean for my life and for my daily experience as a Catholic? All those questions and more we're going to answer on this upcoming Ave Explorer series. And we did it, of course, with scripture scholars, with experts, with people who know the Bible really well. But to kick off this conversation, we wanted to just kind of look at originally and initially, okay, well, how can I even become a person who knows not just what sacred scripture is or how it's structured or even what's inside, but just knows that the Bible is important. Why is it essential? Why does it matter? And to have that conversation, I called up a good friend of mine, Mark Hart, who's often commonly known as the Bible geek. That's how I always knew him as a kid. And now, of course, to get to call him a friend, a brother even, is, is a real treat and a delight. Mark is a radio host. He is a vice president, the vice president of Life Teen International, the youth ministry organization that's created some incredible things over the years, an author a speaker, a father, a husband, and like I mentioned, a dear friend of mine. And honestly, my first experience ever with Mark was listening to him give a talk when I was a teenager. So again, it's a little surreal to now get to call him a friend. And hearing his passion and his excitement for scripture in that talk and knowing that that still exists today. And you're going to hear that in this conversation that we had. And I wanted to sit down with Mark and really pick his brain upon how not only did he become somebody in love with sacred scripture, and how does he use sacred scripture as a father and as a husband in his day-to-day life, both personally and professionally? But how can the Bible become something that all of us cling to and, and love? To where it's not just collecting dust on a shelf or sitting on a, on a dining room table like 
decoration or a gift that you give to your kid that you know they're never going to go to until they maybe want to contradict something later on in life, but really becomes an anchor and a root of prayer, of decision-making, of a day even. And so this first conversation to really kick off our Ave Explorers series on the Bible is really trying to dig into an article that Mark actually wrote for the Ave Maria Press note-taking Bible, How to Become a Bible Reader. You can actually find a PDF of that on the Ave Maria Press website when our Ave Explores the Bible series begins. And of course, you can grab a copy of the Ave Explores note-taking Bible. We'll have a promo code for you to use at the end of this episode. So listen all the way through to get that discount code. But most importantly, what we want you to do right now, besides clicking on over to AveMariaPress.com and signing up to get all of our Ave Explores emails, we hope that you sit back and enjoy this conversation with my dear friend, Mark Hart, the Bible geek on how to become a Bible reader. Mark, thanks for joining us on Ave Explores. I get, I could say thanks for joining us on the Catholic channel because we both claim that too, but <laughs> this is Ave Explores. So thanks for joining us on Ave Explores. Well, Catherine, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I've so, never called you Catherine before. I'm, no, I'm am I in trouble? Now I'm now I'm like my mom's about to bust in the room and start fussing at me for something. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Mark. I obviously know who you are, but introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, my name is Mark Hart. I am a husband and father. I've got a wonderful wife, four amazing kids, ranging in age from 19 down to seven. So this year we've we've got college, high school, middle school, and elementary school. Wow. All simultaneously. Very exciting. <laughs> you met my kids. They're fun. They're awesome. I am in my 20, uh, 27th year of full-time ministry. Most of those have been spent with an organization, a movement called Life Teen, and we exist to help teenagers and parishes uh, just to do more effective youth ministry evangelization and to translate the gospel into 21st century emoji culture. Yeah. And how's that going? <laughs> you know, it's been an interesting couple of years. Maybe you read the paper. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it's uh, no, it's, it's it's actually going great. It's it's, it's going really really well. We've um, like you said, you know, we were lucky enough to have you know quarter century of experience under our belt, you know, before COVID hit. So uh, we were able to kind of dive back in and kind of twist and tweak and turn and create some new offerings and things like that to, to try to help parishes and parents, pastors continue to try to evangelize and, and reach out to the young church. You know, we, we kind of specialize in middle school, high school, so grades six through twelve. That's sort mm-hmm. of our sweet spot. But yeah, we came up with some really fun, new, uh, engaging offerings and that sort of thing in, during the pandemic that I think we're going to hang on to some of those, you know, keep some of the new and retain mm-hmm. all the stuff from all those working and our camps open back up and conferences and slowly open back up. So yeah, we're feeling good. Good, good. Yeah, it was, it was a pivot for everyone. I think you guys pivoted very well. Before you got involved in Life Teen, or maybe even at the beginning of Life Teen, my first encounter with you, I'm going to date the both of us. I was a teenager. <laughs> And there was this series of blogs on Life Teens, very cool, but now would be considered ancient website from the Bible geek. And now I'm talking to that guy and he's a friend and, you know, we've hung out together. Tell me where the Bible geek moniker came from, kind of your story and your entry into being the guy that knew a lot about scripture. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, you know, I was raised Catholic, you know, cradle Catholic, you know, like like you were. So I never read the Bible, obviously, because I was cradle Catholic (laughs) and um, went to parochial school, still never read it. Went to, went to off to Catholic college, still didn't really read it beyond my requirements, you know, my theology requirements. And then I find myself working the parish, you know, right out of college, I'm working at a parish, I'm working as a youth minister. And I started getting into apologetics. This is back like in the nineties when, you know, Al Gore created the internet and people were sending out AOL discs everywhere. You know, we're all dialing up and people are in chat rooms, they're all arguing. And I have these chat rooms because I'm, you know, I'm 21 and I've got all t- kinds of time to burn in the middle of the night, you know, and um, I'm in chat rooms arguing with 
evangelical Protestants about, you know, the church being, you know, the whore of Babylon and we worship Mary and, you know, all the kinds of things. We added books to the Bible, all the, the typical ridiculous apologetics and misnomers. So I started studying apologetics so I could sort of defend the church. I was going in there with my Bible as the sword, you know, it says in Hebrews, the Bible is like a two-edged sword. I'm like, yeah, look, mm-hmm. I'm going to go attack. I'm going to attack. And <laughs> obviously mother church needed me at 2 a.m. to be in chat rooms defending her honor. Absolutely. That's and why I, the church hasn't, you know, the gates of hell haven't prevailed because you were doing that. I was standing pat. I was doing my duty <laughs> in the late nineties. No. So the more I was doing that, I, just, my, I felt my pride was growing, you know, winning arguments, but I wasn't like, my heart wasn't growing. You know what I mean? It was going the opposite direction. And I sat down one day in a chapel, I was reading scripture. And it occurred to me that I would only read scripture for most of my young adult life when I was preparing a teaching you know, or mm. when I was going to get into an argument, you know, but I wasn't really reading scripture just for my own edification and my own feeding of my own soul. So I stopped, I got out of the chat rooms and just, I just pour, started pouring into scripture. And the funniest thing happened, Katie, it's like, the more you read the Bible, the more you want to read the Bible. And mm-hmm. the more you go to God and say, I know I'm so busy, but I want more time with you. Your schedule tends to open up when you go to the timeless one who is the creator of all time and space. And you say, I want more time with you. And he creates opportunities for that. You know, all of a sudden mm-hmm. the person you're dating breaks up with you or uh, you know, your friends move away or whatever happens. So I started reading scripture a lot and really deep diving into it. And then I, as a result, I really wanted to start sharing the word of God more with my teens, more than just the, the typical, I'm going to read a verse at a youth night, a youth group night, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to start sharing with my teens. So I started a Bible study with my teens in my parish. I'd never led a Bible study before. It was horrible. I did not know what I was doing. It was so bad. <laughs> but I believe the Lord blessed it because I had the right intent, you know, and it was not to teach apologetics and teach people to go, and the fi- apologetics are fine, but not to go teach people to attack, but to use scripture to defend and to inspire and to, just mm-hmm. to share truth. So fast forward, I had to go out of town for a trip and uh, I was not going to be able to meet for Bible study and emails were really new. I mean, what a novel concept, this thing called email was super new, mid nineties. And I said to the teens, I said, if you have an email, give me your email. I'm going to write up a reflection on the scripture passage and some things you can look up and some things you can pray about, journal about. I'm going to send it to you since we can't meet this week and I jump on a plane. So it's it's typical. I'm 22. I haven't packed my bag. It's three o'clock in the morning. My flight leaves in an hour or whatever. So I'm typing up the reflection. I got to the end. And I was just praying. There was this Holy Spirit moment. And instead of signing it, Mark, I just signed it, the Bible geek. And I pressed send, didn't think anything of it. One on my way. I come back and I check my email. And what was amazing was not one of the 10 teens of my Bible study was amazed by anything theological that I'd written. It was apparently not very insightful at all. But all 10 of them responded to the name for some reason. Mm-hmm. They liked this moniker, Bible Geek, and it really it made them laugh. And then what was really cool was nine out of the 10 said, can you keep doing this? Like, can I add my mom to the list, my girlfriend to the list, my older brother who's you know, in, you know, away at war, whatever? So I said, sure. So I started doing it on a weekly basis just for my Bible study group. And then what was crazy was every time I'd send it out, at least one or two or three more people would say, can I add someone else to the list? And mm. I thought to myself, maybe we're onto something here. You know, people think that Catholics don't like scripture, especially like, why would a teenager read the Bible? Like, that's like kind of like, they don't want it. When you and I both know, okay, we spent years with teenagers and youth, like they're craving truth. They're mm. craving inspiration. They're craving to know that they're loved, you know, and, and they have black and white proof, you know, like in a Bible, like, hey, you're loved. So I, I had this idea and I went to the, you know, to the, my, at this point I'm working for Life Team International and we had this website like you were talking about. And I just said, hey, I really feel called to do this. I'm just going to start sharing. I'm just going to start writing a scripture reflection a couple times a week, all under a pen name. No one's going to know it's me. I'll do it on my own time. But can we just put it for free on the website and see what happens? So we just put a little link on the front of our website, right? In one year, we went from 200 to 25,000 people subscribing. Within two years, we we're up over like 100,000. 
Mm-hmm. And nobody, and then, you know, nobody knew it was me. So then people were trying to figure out who it was. It must be, they thought it was a priest, a deacon. They didn't know what was going on. And then everyone, people were like actually emailing and calling in, trying to figure out who this Bible geek was. It was kind of fun, actually. It was really great for, for, on two levels. One, it forced me to stay in God's word because, you know, when you're writing about it, you know, like, you know, if you're speaking about it, you have to stay rooted in it. But secondarily, it really forced me to think about God's word differently. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's one thing on how it speaks to you. But it's another thing on how you articulate God's word to someone else who is not you, right? Who doesn't have the same life experiences, maybe doesn't have a theology background, where theology is a second language and there's lots of big words and, you know, screwy places, there's different kinds of writing. And you have to take all those things into consideration on how you communicate the gospel. And that was a really fun challenge, trying to communicate the gospel, you know, to increasingly screen-obsessed teenagers, you know, in the late 90s, early, you know, 2000s. So it just kind of began there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like I, I wasn't setting out to you know, become some writer or a pen name or anything. Right. But, but you, know, you know this well. I mean, you've, I mean, you do everything. I mean, you're like, you, you wear like 19 hats. You know, if you say yes to God, mm-hmm. you don't have to kick open doors. He just continues to open windows and say, just keep right. saying yes, just keep saying yes. And we'll just kind of see yeah. what sticks, you know? I love the part of the story that as you started articulating what scripture was meaning from a technical perspective, like Luke is writing to this particular audience. And so we can learn this thing. Mm-hmm. You also were probably growing internally and, and your own faith is being challenged because you're digging into scripture. We've been asking this question of all of our guests this season. And it, it kind of sounds like, I mean, for you, it was, I'm just going to do it because God's calling me to do it. But a lot of people want to dig into scripture and they don't know where to start or they don't know right. how to become you know, a Bible reader. Do you have any practical, t- as somebody who's been doing this for over 25 years now on yeah. a regular basis from a professional perspective, but also from a personal perspective, how do you get started diving into it and kind of claiming a Bible geek name for yourself? That's the million dollar question. So several ideas. Number one, you lean into what you're already doing. So if you're already going to mass, whether you're in person or if you're forced to be online right now, whatever it is, depending on your diocese and region, if you're going to mass, start with the mass readings, you know, read the Sunday mass readings, all four of them. We can't forget the psalm. Read the Sunday mass readings in the six days prior to Sunday, whatever works for you. If you're a morning person, grab a cup of coffee. If you're a night person, you know, pour a glass of wine, grab a beer, whatever. If you're like a workaholic, you know, take your Bible with you to, to lunch a couple of times a week and just read over lunch. But, but make time, whether it's yourself, you and your spouse, you and your family, you and your friends, men's group, women's mm-hmm. group, whatever it is. But take time to enter into those readings. The church gives us the cycle of readings for a reason because it kind of mirrors our cycle of life and our seasons of life. Mm-hmm. So it's really powerful and poignant. And then the more you start to do it, it's like if you go to the gym, you start working out. The more you do it, the soreness goes away. You start to see the effects. You start to see all of a sudden arcs. We see that the first reading and the gospel are usually pretty tightly connected. And then the challenge becomes, okay, well, then why would the church in her wisdom throw in the second reading from St. Paul, which is really kind of dense, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. it, and I'm not really sure how it all goes together, but that's the fun of it, you know? But you get into that regular rhythm. So that way, when you go to mass, this isn't the first time you've heard these readings. The whole first half of mass comes to life in a different way. Now, your experience of the liturgy of the word is not based upon whether or not the lector is literate or knows how to read or can pronounce a name. It's not dependent upon if there's a baby wailing behind you, if there's someone using that really um, loud water fountain in the narthex. I mean, like those things don't matter as much because you you know what's there. And mm-hmm. now you're not pinning your entire experience of the first half of mass on a single homily, which really isn't mm-hmm. fair to any priest, right? So I say, start there. Once you get in that Sunday rhythm, then you know what? Grab a, a periodical, that's Magnificat or Word Among Us or going on Universalis, going on an app, read the daily readings and start to get into that. Even if you start, start, just start with the gospel, you span from there. So, so all of a sudden you just get in a rhythm of prayer, setting mm-hmm. aside five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Then all of a sudden you're going to say, okay, well, I want to read more. Where do I start? Should I go to Genesis? And I say, no, do not go to Genesis. Okay. Because mm-hmm. Genesis is a very different kind of writing, especially the first 11 chapters. And if you're not used to allegory, 
you know, it can be really, really disconcerting. It can throw you for a loop, you know? So while you want to understand the whole story, and, and I think this is where like, you know, Father Mike Schmidt's like his Bible in the Year podcast has been great. There's all kinds of great resources that exist out there to help you understand the main arc of scripture. What I usually say is before you jump into one of those studies, just jump into the gospels again. Why do you start in the gospels? Well, they have preeminence in scripture out of the 73 books. Those four are above, but more to the point, if you can jump into the Gospels, these are stories you're familiar with because you've heard them so many times. If you're a cradle Catholic, these are there's not as many hard to pronounce names and hard to find places. You know the basic gist of the story, mm-hmm. so now you can jump into the Gospel of Mark, for instance. And instead of just reading like you'd read a, a novel, like a Robert Ludlum novel or something, you know, you're gonna just jump into a chapter and you read a subchapter. Just read a few verses at a time. This chapter is broken into subchapters for a reason. You read a few verses at a time. Not till your eyes get tired, not to see how much you can get through or how fast you can go. But if you just start with a few verses, God can really do amazing things. You can jump into Mark chapter one, spend three verses on the baptism of Jesus and have a really profound and sublime experience in scripture if you really mm-hmm. enter into the story. And that's where things like Lexio Divina and other practices that you can find online for free, which there are books that exist like with Ave Maria Press. Like you, There's tons of places you can find resources to help you. But if you can start diving into the gospels a little bit, and the reason we do that before we just jump into, oh, I'm just going to go to a Bible study, because you want to start to get into that rhythm of scripture and you want to mm-hmm. develop that relationship with the living word, who's Jesus, before you just dive into the word of God. Mm-hmm. And the more that you develop that relationship with Jesus and you're asking the Holy Spirit, you get used to how the Holy Spirit inspires and opens moments of reflection. The more you can open yourself through the gospels. Now, when you do that Bible study with a group, now you do a Bible study with, you know, uh, on your own, through other through video or whatever, like online. Well, now you can really, your eyes are really open because your heart's mm-hmm. really opened. And mm-hmm. I think what happens a lot of time is we try to open our mind and our, our eyes before we try to open our heart. And that's why the rhythm doesn't stick. Yeah. You know what I mean, but if you're going into it with that personal relationship, you're going into a Holy Spirit driven, you're walking with Christ. We almost become like the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Like he draws near us, he's walking with us. And what happens is he's walking with us. He starts to connect all the dots of all the prophecies and all the previous scriptures that mm. referred to him. And they're able to receive it because they're already walking with him. Yeah. And that's what I think we all need to do too. Is like, I mean, there's so many resources that exist now. Great resources. Ave Maria has great resources. But I think it's sort of like, how do I avail myself of them and in what order mm-hmm. so that I can have prolonged success and not just a mountaintop experience? Right. Yeah. I mean, all the resources in the world aren't useful if you haven't actually encountered the person that all of those resources are trying to help you meet. How do you do this as a dad, Mark? I mean, we know your professional life, we know your radio life, but I love how anytime I've asked you to introduce yourself, it starts with husband and father. How is scripture an anchor in the heart home? Well, our house looks like a Hobby Lobby threw up. Um, <laughs> on every single wall, there's a plank of wood that's got a verse on it. <laughs> Usually from the King James, but hey, I'm not judging. No. I think a couple things. One, okay, so I, I did my undergrad at, at the University of Notre Dame. I love, I bleed blue and gold, right? I do. Mm-hmm. I never had to teach my kids to love my team. Yeah. They saw the enthusiasm that I had for my team every Saturday in the fall. And then they fell in love with my team. They mm-hmm. fell in love with what dad's in love with because they see dad's excitement and dad's enthusiasm. And pardon the COVID expression, it was contagious, okay? Mm-hmm. They're looking and they're saying, I care about what he cares about. And he cares about that so ardently. I want to know more about why he cares about that. So even like some of my older girls who aren't necessarily the biggest sports fans, they'll sit and be like, why are you so into that player? Why are you so into this thing? Why are you so into that moment of the game? Whether it's 
you know, the fight song or the alma mater or whatever it is, you know, two minute offense. Why are you so into it? Why, why are you shushing right now? Like, so we, you know, why do you think? And then when they ask the question, their minds and their hearts are open, right? So I think what we have to do as parents, yes, we want to introduce our kids. And there's, there's again, we want to introduce our kids to Bible stories. Yes. I would tell kids Bible stories as I'm, instead of reading them books at night, mm-hmm. I would tell them Bible stories at night, right? That's like one of the things I like to do. You know, yeah, we get to this, I'll tell you all about, we get to elementary school years and I will do like, you know, for dessert at night, I'll, after dinner's over, I'm throwing out Bible trivia questions to see what they've retained mm. from things I've told them. And if they get it right, <laughs> they get dessert. You know, if they don't, they get a lesser dessert and it gets pretty competitive and cutthroat. Okay. Even with the teenagers. So there's, there's things like that you can do. And like I said, reading the readings ahead of time, you know, when you get to that age where you can actually have them read the readings with you, or I'll tell them, mm-hmm. Hey, you're the gospel we're going to hear this week on the way to mass. The gospel we're going to hear is about this. I want you guys to pay really close attention because I'm going to ask you questions about the gospel after mass. And that's going to determine again, whether or not you get dessert when we go out for lunch, you know? And it's amazing what a receptive audience you have and there's dessert on the line. Um, <laughs> so bribery works, but I think more to the point though, Katie, it's just when they walk in a room, if, if you want your child to love scripture, mm-hmm. there should be a Bible available in every room of your house. Okay. And it could be on a nightstand. It could be on a coffee table. The Bible should be revered visually, right? So we have a rule in our house, right? So um, no book is ever allowed to be on top of a Bible. A mm-hmm. Bible can be on top of a stack of books, but no book is allowed to be on top of it. And I, we started this when they were very, very young because I wanted them to have a visual reminder that that book is unlike any other book and it deserves mm-hmm. ultimate respect. So we, there's even been times, and so I'm, I'm kind of proud of this in a weird way. We'll be at my brother's house and they walk by like a bookcase and there was like a Bible with a couple books on it. My daughter will walk and she'll be behind her uncle and she'll look both ways and she'll take it, put it on top and just keep walking. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which I was so proud. Yeah. But I mean, it's, if you can have a prayer nook, a prayer corner, a prayer room where you can revere the word of God, you, know, you can have it you know, mm-hmm. sort of up. That kind of stuff's really important. But I really think at the end of the day, they need to walk in a room in the morning, in the quiet of the morning when they come downstairs with you know the eye boogers and the sheet marks in their face. And they see mom or dad's just got the word of God cracked open on their lap. They, they need to walk into a room you know, and see the mom and dad, maybe not praying a rosary, you know, maybe not reading the catechism, but they see it, they see the Bible open, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they see a holy discussion, a holy conversation going on with mom and dad. They need to have those moments. And it's really important for you and I as parents and friendly parents watching, you need to have those moments where you, instead of saying, I'm going to force feed this to you, I'm just going to pray that when poignant moments happen just naturally, organically, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to make me aware Mm-hmm. To make me aware in this moment of when I should pull out a scripture verse, of when mm-hmm. I should pull out that story. Lord, just, uh, you know, it says, you know, don't prepare your defense ahead of time. The spirit will give you the words that you need. Just praying in that vein, just that we mm-hmm. would be so Holy Spirit led, the same Holy Spirit that, that inspired the scriptures, be so Holy Spirit led that in those moments, whether it's a really emotional middle school moment, because kids can be horrible in middle school, you know? Mm-hmm. Whether it's that moment where, you know, when your kids are in high school and they see their friends making bad decisions, you know, the road divides, you know, or that friend is sitting in your house, you know, at the kitchen table with you, or whether it's just that moment, you know, when it's just a typical, your kids are getting bullied or there's a moment of insecurity, or there's just a hardship or a struggle they're going through, you know, or, or image, whatever it is to pray to the Holy Spirit in those moments would lead you to that one verse, that one passage, that one story that is a healing kind of balm Mm -hmm. that no parental wisdom is going to be able to compete with, right? That no word of parental experience is going to be able to really counteract. It's just, sometimes you just, the word of God is, it's so far and away, the only piece that someone needs that you don't need to Mm -hmm. expound on it. You can just share the word or you can share what you love about it. Ultimately, it's a very long answer to the question. I think it's, 
I love a scripture. And it's like the old adage is caught more than it's taught. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that analogy with Notre Dame is perfect. You know, Rose is a Giants fan and it's not because of anything I've done. It's because Tommy wears his jersey obsessively in the NFL season. We've asked every guest this last question, and it's just very simple. Do you have a favorite part of scripture? Is there a favorite genre? Is there a favorite gospel? Favorite passage is hard because, again, if you've got so many of them on the walls, uh, you know, you see them all <laughs> the time. Only one's on my arm, though, Katie. Only one's yes, on my the truth. And what is the one on your arm? Can you tell us? Uh, that's actually Isaiah 4110. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, mm. for I am your God. Uh, my wife and I, for our anniversary a couple years back, we actually got matching tattoos. It says, For I am with you. So yeah. it's a reminder of Isaiah's promise. Uh, God's promise to us, but also mm-hmm. our promise to each other. But no, to answer, that's a great question. To answer your question, my absolute favorite, 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 favorite book of the Bible is the Gospel of John. I would love to say Gospel of Mark, and I do love my namesake because <laughs> Mark is like the dragnet of the Bible. It's like just, just the facts, man. Just get to the yeah. point, right? But the Gospel of John, it is so profound. It's simple and it's sacramental. The Gospel of John is an iceberg. You know, when you look at it, you read through the first time, it's already so deep. And that's just the 10% that's above the surface. And then when you start to read John and you start to read, you know, commentaries and learn about John and what was happening in John, when he wrote it and why he wrote it, you start to see the sacramental nature of John, the symbolism. There's such a depth. There's so many layers to John that not only will simultaneously leave you assured that, that no human could possibly do this outside of the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's just, there's no way any, any humans this smart to be able mm-hmm. to do this. So it gives you that, that, that peace that this is Holy Spirit inspired, but it also gives you this dynamic, unparalleled vision of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, you know, Messiah, Son of Mary, mm. Son of the Father, lover of all, uplifter of women, power broker, merciful friend. I mean, St. John gives us stories that the other three don't give us for reason, for a good reason. He's the last one to write. Um, and not that synoptics aren't great. There's the Matthew, Mark, and Luke are great. But John just gives us something a little more. As much as I love mm-hmm. Luke, because without Luke, we wouldn't have the Hail Mary. You know, as much as I love Matthew, because without Matthew, we wouldn't have you know, the keys going to St. Peter. You know, I mean, there's so many things I love. The other ones, but St. John is just a little different. Without St. John, we don't mm-hmm. have the opening prologue. We don't have the wedding at Cana. We don't have the washing of the feet. We don't have the dialogue with Mary at the cross. We don't have the miraculous catch of Galilee. There's so many moments that the Samaritan woman, the longest dialogue Jesus has with anybody in all of scripture. There's so many poignant moments. There's so much symbolism. And then the more and more you dig, the more you dig, the more you dig, you go, wow, this was John as the perfect bridge between this new Christianity called the way Mm -hmm. and the sacramental church that we live in today. And he's this perfect and sublime bridge. And the Mm -hmm. more you can deep dive into John, everything comes to life. The mass comes to life. The book of Revelation makes sense in context. The other gospels all pop in a different way. And this Mm -hmm. picture of Jesus comes into perfect vision, but only through that lens of Mary and the church, which is what I just love about John. So I'm sorry. I'm waxing. I'm waxing poetic now. I'm so sorry. You get excited about it. I'm sure you've watched The Chosen. um, Oh, so good. Their portrayal of John in the beginning of season two, and he's like crying in the corner and you're like, okay, all right. You didn't have to go that far, but you did. (laughs) And you've now brought me to the point of tears. Mark, where can we follow you, buy your books and learn more from you? You know what? You can find me at biblegeek.com. That's probably the fastest place because that'll link you to um, some of my books, link you to my work at Life Teen, our radio show on the Catholic channel, Sirius Sirius XM 129. Yeah, um, you know how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but you can yeah, you can find books. You can find them on there. You can find them on Amazon or wherever fine Catholic books are sold. 
including awesome. including my wife and I's new book from Ave Maria, yes. our not quite holy family. Thank you for giving that book, by the way. Uh, that was a really yeah. fun, oh, I loved was a really it. fun book to write. I have passed it out to many, many friends. It's now one of our standard wedding gifts. It's nativity set, copy of y'all's book. And uh, free babysitting for when kids come along. That's the, that's, awesome. that's the standard that's awesome. wedding gift. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Great to see you, my friend. I hope to see you and Tommy soon. We'll have a drink. Yes. As always, Mark is two parts hilarious, three parts inspiring, always a dear friend. And I think what he had to say, especially this idea of scripture as an anchor and scripture as something that you constantly go back to and you're familiar with and you love and you're comfortable with is an inspiring and a comfort to me personally and professionally, but especially as a mom, as a wife, as somebody who wants scripture to not just be visible in my home, you know, uh, Hobby Lobby throwing up as it were, but to be something that I can quote, to be something that I can think of, to be something I can pray to, pray with rather. Songs get stuck in your head. How can scripture get stuck in your head? The Bible becoming the source of my inspiration, the help in my decision-making, the guide as I, I navigate sometimes the struggles and challenges of life. What is it about sacred scripture that can help me in the here and now? And I think Mark gave us a really great snapshot of how that happens in his life and the different ways that scripture has allowed his own faith to expand and to grow the areas of scripture that he loves and how especially you can become a Bible reader yourself. If you want to become a Bible reader, if you want to become somebody anchored and rooted in sacred scripture, if you want the Bible to become part of your experience as a Catholic, well, first of all, you should sign up for Ave Maria Press's Ave Explores the Bible series. Go to the website, AveMariaPress.com. You'll find all the information to sign up for our weekly emails at the top of the website. And after you've signed up for the Ave Explores Bible series, you'll get the podcasts and the video interviews and all the articles and everything straight to your inbox. You can grab a copy of the Ave Catholic note-taking Bible, either the hardcover or imitation leather edition, using the code AEXBIBLE. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. We'll have that link down in the show notes as well. The Ave Catholic note-taking Bible is, it's beautiful. It's easy to write in. I've started to use it in my own personal prayer, taking notes and writing down thoughts and things. And hopefully one day I'll be able to pass it on to my daughters and They'll be able to see the way I prayed through scripture when they were young. It's beautiful. You should go check it out on the website. Again, that code is AEX Bible. You can, of course, also sign up for that Ave Maria Press website for all of the awesome Ave Explorers content that we're creating. Just click on at the top. Subscribe to the podcast. Give it a rating and a review. We'd love for you to share it with other folks. Join in on the fun for this Ave Explores the Bible series. We have so much awesome stuff coming. We can't wait for you to join us. Great conversations, videos, all sorts of amazing things just for you. So join us over at AveMariaPress.com. We'll be back next week with even more conversations about sacred scripture. We'll see you then. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.